Hello, everyone. Cheryl A. And uh, welcome to my podcast, On My Watch. Uh, this is now episode three. And thank you for those that are listening and have given me some feedback. I appreciate it. What I'm trying to do with this podcast is just to give you a curated version, my opinion, of course, of what's happening at the moment in the Middle East and specifically in Palestine. I don't like to call it a war because I think war means that you've got two armed forces fighting each other. In this instance, it's definitely the oppressor fighting the oppressed. And the oppressed in this case are the Palestinians. They have been oppressed for 75 years now. And we're now up to, what, 77, 78 days of continual fighting. And by fighting, I mean the IDF and the oppressor, uh, really, they're just carpet bombing and murdering Palestinians. The death toll, I think, is around 20,000 at this stage, of which uh, 7,000 of them are children. I read something recently where the United Nations said that a child in Palestine is dying every 10 minutes. There is so much imagery around, there's so much footage. There are journalists on the ground in Palestine filming these atrocities and people are saying to me, I can't look, I can't look. I can't look either, but I do look. I look because we are the voice at the moment for those people. They are crying out for our help. And we the people are listening. I mean, people have taken to the streets globally in their millions. In Australia, I've attended the rally most Sundays. You know, I've seen a rally in Brisbane this week. Melbourne are rallying every week. And globally, Yemen, Spain, the UK, the US, and it's people of all backgrounds, you know, uh, are taking to the streets. But unfortunately, our leadership isn't listening. They're starting to come too. Apparently the UK Prime Minister yesterday called for a ceasefire, but it's been very slow. And the word on the ground is it's not going to happen anytime soon. So humanitarian aid is still difficult to get through. And meanwhile, we're coming up to Christmas and Palestine is is the birthplace of Jesus Christ. And look what's happening over there. Look what we're doing. Do you know what makes me ropeable is when you hear Zionists talk about this conflict or this apartheid that they're, they're putting onto the Palestinians, they say they're doing it in the name of God. I mean, really? I was going to say for God's sake, but that would have been in poor taste. But really, in the name of God, God wants to see all those people slaughtered. I mean, let's just call it out. What's happening here is just pure evil mass murder, which brings me to the IDF. I want to talk about the IDF is the Israeli Defence Force. They get to call themselves an army because they have a state. The Palestinians don't get to have an army. Just think about that. And this is why organisations like Hamas and Hezbollah, and, you know, this is not just in this region, it's everywhere. What happens is the oppressed have to work with what they have. They don't have billions of dollars of warfare. Israel is the most armed country in the world, and it is absolutely using that force on Gaza and the West Bank and southern Lebanon at this stage. All that money, all those billions of dollars. But, you know, they have 
the, the number is 300,000 people on the ground, 300,000 IDF terrorists on the ground, and no one has found Hamas yet. Well, you know what? I don't believe that for a minute. I believe that the Netanyahu government doesn't want they're not looking for the hostages. They're not interested in the hostages. They're not interested in their own civilians and their own civilian welfare. This is a bigger picture here. This is a land grab. This is a genocide. This is an ethnic cleansing. Now, I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing you, but that's exactly what it is. And I'm sure so many of you agree. But you know, the other problem I have with the IDF is that they're calling people from all over the world, young people, to come and serve, apparently they get two weeks training and then they're on the ground. And this is how things like their own people, the hostages, those three very, very sad situation, you know, where these kids are holding a flag and speaking in Hebrew and yet they were shot dead by the IDF. Now, people keep keep saying to me, and I keep reading, you know, but they were calling out in Hebrew. They were trying to be heard. They were holding a white flag, which should have been enough, by the way, and they were still shot. Well, you know what I suspect has happened? I suspect that that IDF soldier probably didn't speak Hebrew themselves. You know, four or 5,000 people have come from the US to join the IDF at the moment. Thousands have come from the UK. Thousands have come from all over the world. What do they know, one, about being a soldier, being a terrorist soldier? It makes me think that these kids are trigger happy. They just want to get out there, hold a gun and shoot people. And, you know, that's what's happening in the West Bank with the settlers. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, what's happened is Israel giving Palestinians Gaza and the West Bank wasn't enough. They started to put in Israeli settlers in these regions so that they could breed, they could take over. And those settlers have the right to actually evict Palestinian people. And in the West Bank, that's happening a lot and it's happening right now. And a lot of those people, they're just people that have come, let's say, from the USA, usually white supremacists as well as Zionists, and they come into the West Bank, they hold a gun to the person's head and evict them out of their homes and they move in. This is what's happening right now. The IDF is made up of people who just want to kill people. And the IDF leadership, right, the terrorist IDF leadership, are full of crap and propaganda. That's exactly what's happening. And they're the ones that are coming out with lies and trying to rile up people around the world and Israelis around the world, you know, just intensifying the hatred and trying to justify what's happening. I read this headline today. It's been in many mastheads, and this particular quote is coming out of Al Jazeera. It says, an Israeli bulldozer ran over a pregnant woman in labour carrying white flags. Think about that. Israeli bulldozer ran over pregnant woman in labour carrying white flags. And, you know, day after day, the Israeli spokespeople say they're not targeting civilians. This is a pregnant woman that they ran over. And again, who was operating that bulldozer? It was probably, you know, a 19-year-old IDF soldier terrorist and all they wanted to do was kill people. And that's what's happening in the region. They've just let these 300,000 kids 
men and women run loose. And I reckon that the, the message there is just shoot to kill. It breaks my heart. There's a little video that I just want to share with you that I saw this morning. Absolutely heartbreaking. There are so many, as I said earlier. And it's this little boy, and I'd say, hmm, I don't know, maybe one, not much older than one. He's got little track pants on, red track pants on, and a purple uh, coat, a little zip-up, because it's winter over there and it's cold. And he's fallen asleep against a tent. He's there all by himself. And I guess the journalist didn't know whether he was dead or alive or the person operating the camera. And they have walked up to him to check. He has flies all over him. He's probably starving. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't had a drink for a few days. And they wake him up and he looks up and he's just stunned. It is so heartbreaking. What are we doing to these children? What are we doing? I don't know how much more we can do to get the US, really, because at this stage it's only the US that can stop this carnage. And sometimes I doubt whether it's that. You know, it's like, and I I think I said this earlier in one of the podcasts, by all those countries standing up on the 8th or 9th of October and saying, I stand for Israel, that was a permission slip for Netanyahu and his right-wing government to get into Gaza and to ethnic cleanse it. That's what happened. They signed that permission slip. I want to talk a little bit about the mastheads and mainstream media. I've been scathing about them for all of those of you that follow me on Instagram. You've seen that. New York Times in particular, I unsubscribed. They were biased to start with, but also not really reporting anything. And one of the reasons would be that they, you know, they're not on the ground either. The only thing that they've done is taken those propaganda tours, the journalist propaganda tours. But it seems that there's been a change of tune. And I think the LA Times um, led that um, by calling for a ceasefire. Well, it seems the Washington Post, New York Times. Now, the only reason I'm not here advertising for those magazines, because uh, those newspapers, because, you know, for weeks there, I thought they were fake news and I was very angry about it. But they have the power to put pressure on government and the Washington Post and New York Times have power to put pressure on the government and to put pressure on Biden. And let's hope that this is where they're going with this because they are now reporting. We're seeing it more on the front page, 78 days later, And the Washington Post had a headline, I think it was yesterday or today, saying that the IDF lied about Al-Shifa Hospital. Now, for those of you that are playing catch-up, Al-Shifa was was kind of a turning point because the IDF claimed that Hamas was hiding in Al-Shifa Hospital and that there were tunnels underneath the hospital and they went in with such force. They went in, they killed doctors. They killed doctors' families, they killed nurses, they killed medicines on frontiers, staff. It's just so trigger-happy murder that's happening. There were images of patients being just shot in their bed and you might remember the, the babies in the incubators. Anyway, the whole story around that was because they were getting Hamas you know, and I'll remind you here again, 300,000 troops on the ground, terrorist troops on the ground, and they haven't gotten Hamas and they haven't been able to free their hostages. But anyway, you wonder what they are doing. Well, we do know what they're doing. You don't have to wonder about that. But anyway, the, the Washington Post confirms that the IDF lied and 
really, they knew all along that Hamas wasn't at Al Shifa Hospital. Babies died. Babies starved. They they turned off the power because you know they love to murder in the dark. They love to murder in silence. And do you know why that is? I think because you, when you're committing such a heinous crime. It's probably a tactic, but it's also one of their tools in terms of propaganda and in terms of suppressing, trying to suppress the truth. Anyway, so that's what they did. I read a, I read a quote the other day. This is from a doctor who is the Palestinian envoy in the UK, an amazing person. You should follow him on Instagram. His name is Hassam Zomlot, Dr. Hassam Zomlot. And he's such a great communicator. He's so articulate. Of course, he's Palestinian and he's really working to really get uh, public opinion and leadership, global leadership to stop this carnage. Anyway, he he said this the other day. He said, Israel's biggest enemy is the truth. I really believe that. I really believe that because they are spending so much money on trying to silence the truth. They turn all the power off to murder people in hospitals. They turn the internet off. They murder journalists. Why would you do all that? You know, they have been doing that from day one, day two. Back then, we should have known that once you start turning power off, once you start turning the internet off, once you start killing in the dark, once you start silencing journalists, you are doing something that's fundamentally not right. And this is what is happening here. Those mastheads, Washington Post, thank you for reporting now, but you should have been reporting this day two and day three. We should have been putting pressure on governments very, very early on. Anyway, it's not too late now. So I want to touch a little bit on on this uh, story that I've seen going around on Instagram. And as I've said before, almost all of my news comes from Instagram, and I am on Instagram, just Cheryl Arkell. But apparently Mark Zuckerberg, who you all know, um, owns Meta, which is Facebook and Instagram, are trying all the time to silence us. I feel that that's actually quite strange. Here we are using a tool, a social media tool, to get the message across that uh, there is an ethnic cleansing in the world and Mark Zuckerberg is constantly trying to shut it down. And I really haven't been able to reconcile with that. And you look at the numbers, firstly... The propaganda machine of Israel is trying to shut it down. You know, they've met apparently with Zuckerberg to try and shut it down. They met with TikTok to try and shut down. And what I mean by shut it down, shutting down the live streaming that is coming from the ground, from the journalists that are on the ground. I'm going to list those journalists, the ones I know of anyway, in the podcast notes. So look out for them and follow them if you like. But it beggars belief that he's trying to stop that. Anyway, TikTok said, TikTok came back and it was a group of, you know, um, what will I call them, uh, part of the oppressor group, um, that are pro-genocide, they met with TikTok as well and said, you know, they shut down uh, Palestinian voices and they said no. TikTok said no, no, we're not doing that because this is, this happens organically. This is what social media is here for. This is what TikTok's here for. And young people don't approve of genocide and ethnic cleansing. Now, I don't know if that was the exact language that they used, but that was my interpretation of, of it as it was. 
if you go to the ABC Australia um, Instagram page, uh, one of the young journalists a couple of weeks ago did a uh, a report on the numbers, like the hashtag I support Israel and the hashtag free Palestine. And I'm not going to go through those numbers accurately, but I'm going to tell you what the gist of it was. When you looked and he compared Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, when you looked at the numbers that used the hashtag I support Israel, those numbers were, let's say, 250,000. That was a big number for some of them. But for free Palestine, it was something like 8 million. And that was consistent. That discrepancy between 250,000 and 8 million was the same across all three social media channels. And that I think because social media is a relatively young platform and because people have turned away from the mastheads because they weren't reporting, it's overwhelming global support for free Palestine. You know, and our world leaders need to stop and look at that. Look at, you know, all the people that have taken to the streets. Anyway, I think that's going to be it from me this morning. Um, I hope you are finding this valuable. I would appreciate feedback. Uh, My email address is onmywatchpodcast at gmail.com. I also want to add this point too. This is just me and a mic and a sound guy called Tim. There's no one else involved. I put the artwork together. I set it up um, and here I am doing it. Uh, I'm not using any of my staff. I don't have a sponsor for this and I'm financing it out of my own money. So the only influence is me. The only opinion is me. And really it's a curation for you. So if you'd like more, if you'd like less, if you want something different from me, please let me know. But for the moment, take care and go in peace.